0: My name is Carrie Ginger and your host of the Biteable podcast, No Better, Live Best. Today's guest is Brigitte Pena, owner of San Diego Seed Company. Through her seed company, she not only produces organic heirloom varieties well adapted for the Southern California growers, but she also facilitates and promotes ethical seed production aimed at providing growers the best varieties for their success. Listen as we learn more about why it is important to know where your seeds come from. The idea is simple. If good seed that is adapted to our climate is produced locally, then we can add one more layer of support to our regional food systems. Know Better, Live Best is dedicated to supporting food and health literacy in people of all ages. Our mission is to cut through the misinformation surrounding food, health, and nutrition because we believe that when people know better, they can make the right choices and live their best lives. We are presented by Biteable Foods. They use blockchain and Internet of Things technology to build traceable, transparent food systems because it shouldn't take an investigative journalist to find out where food comes from. Good morning. I am here with Brigitte Pena of San Diego Seed Company. Good morning, Brigitte. Thanks for joining me. Good morning. It's a bit earlier morning for you than it is for me, so I appreciate you getting up extra early to come on.
1: Yeah, I have my coffee, so that'll be showing up in the video because I need it. <laughs> but okay. yes, I'm happy to be here. Coffee's a necessity, so I have mine already as well. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and give
0: the listeners a little background on yourself and how you became so passionate about producing seeds. Yeah,
1: well, that's a great question and um, probably a a long-winded one, Um, but I am actually originally from Kansas, and we've been in San Diego for, um, I've been in San Diego for a little bit over, I think, 11 years now, and when I moved from Kansas to San Diego, I couldn't believe how different the climates were. Um, You know, everybody moves to San Diego because it's paradise, right, Um, but as I became more and more avid gardener, I realized that there wasn't a lot of good information that catered to our particular area. Um, And San Diego has a lot of transplants from the Midwest. So I wasn't alone um, in not understanding, you know, um, the fact that we didn't have frost dates, um, you know, what the climates were, how the ocean influenced it. And then that was exacerbated by the fact that there was nobody offering seeds that that did well specific to Southern California and San Diego. And so um, I was actually in a uh, warm season production class at the local university and it dawned on me, nobody was serving San Diego um, as far as offering regionally adapted seeds and so I took on that project and that was in 2011. So we have grown quite a bit since then We now own a certified organic urban farm, and we are actually the only certified organic seed-producing urban farm in the United States. So we're the only ones that do what we do in the way that we do it and on the scale that we do it, which is, um, we're very proud of that, obviously. Um, So yeah, we offer about 200 varieties plus of uh, seeds that are either produced here, trialed here. Um, or or purchase from local seed producers in our area. And the idea is we just want to arm growers, not just backyard gardeners, but also market growers and farmers with a little bit more help. Um, It's already hard to be a farmer or a grower. And so being able to choose from varieties that do really well here is, is just one more way in which we can support local agriculture. So in a nutshell, and I could go on and on and on, but in a nutshell, that's, that's us and that's what we do. And there we go. So question, so I know your seeds are organic
0: and I know you can order off your website as well. But if I'm out, let's say I'm in the Midwest and I'm looking for organic seeds, how can I tell if it's truly organic or
1: is it, if it just says organic, is that good enough? That's a really good question, um, because I definitely have seen some confusion with consumers. So if you're buying organic seed, they should be certified organic. So they should have on their either on their packet, on their website, somewhere, um, a USDA certified organic label. And the reason why that's important is that is a legally regulated label. Not just anybody can slap that on their packets or on their product. They have to go through... Um, a certifier who makes sure that they're in compliance. So, um, and it's very difficult when you're dealing with backyard growers, because a lot of times, you know, smaller growers will say, well, I'm organic and and they very well could be, but you don't know unless there is a third party who is, um, uh, verifying what they're using, what they're spraying, how the land was used. And, um, it's a important point for us because, uh, it's, it's expensive and um, we, we are organic growers, but it's still difficult to go through the process. So we wear that, that badge, that seal of approval very proudly. And I know that there are um, definitely some times where, where certain growers will say, well, our stuff's organic. But if it's not certified, you don't really know. And the other reason why I mentioned that is because it is more expensive. If you believe in organics purchasing from those who go through the certification process, you're helping support them. So they're incentivized to to do that process. So, you know, it's that old adage, vote with your money or, you know, buy, buy what you believe in. So it's really important that if you want truly organic seeds, um, that they have the certification on them and they went through a third-party certifier. Oh, that's great
0: information to have because it really can be really confusing. It's confusing just to buy like produce in the stores mm-hmm. sometimes or just yeah. when you're shopping and then it comes down to the seeds as well, because if you do care where your produce come from, you probably should care about the seed.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's even worse because you see like uh, certified naturally grown um, or, you know, or natural. And um, although those are all really important, and I don't knock anybody who is trying to um, be as natural as possible, organic, the actual, um, word as far as legal terms refers to a process that that is regulated so um, and the reason being is because you may not think one product one spray for example an insecticide um, is organic but I may uh, think that you know otherwise so there is an agency that determines that for us so uh, it's important
0: it makes it real clear cut for the consumer and I think that is I think that's also really important yeah
1: yep Oh, look who I knew he would join at some point. (laughs) Uh, This is my office mate. um, And she is very vain. So she'll probably want to be a part of the video at some point. Oh, I love she joined us. It's always fun to have extra visitors. It's not going to be good when she lays on my laptop, though. (laughs) Might have to take a little break to find your comfy spot. (laughs) Yeah. So I can
0: pretty much guarantee that some of our listeners do not know what an heirloom seed is. Can you go ahead and give us some insight into that?
1: Yeah, so the, um, an heirloom seed, that term can be pretty fiercely debated because it does differ depending on the organization that's defining it. But as a, just an umbrella term, um, heirloom refers to any variety that is open pollinated and is passed down um, so it's saved from grower to grower, or farmer to farmer. Um, they're actually doing the growing, the saving, the storing, the sharing. Uh, and that is what an heirloom is. Heirlooms are also very easy to save seed from, um, which is one of the reasons why it's such an important part of our work, because we want people to save seeds and you can save with heirlooms very easily.
0: Oh, interesting. I mean, you hear the word heirloom a lot, and so you can kind of figure it's something with being passed down, so that's yeah. how the seeds do actually get passed down.
1: And an important point, too, is a lot of times people think that heirloom only refers to tomatoes, which is not true. That's all varieties. You can have heirloom beans, you can have heirloom squash. Um, the, the general consensus is it's about 50 years old. So think of it just like there's something that is given from generation to generation within your family. Um, Heirloom seeds are the same thing. Those are the gifts that were given to you maybe from your grandfather or grandmother. Oh, that's really cool. So you
0: were talking about regionally adapted seeds. Why is that so important important for gardeners, um, market growers, um, farmers?
1: So, regionally adapted is very important, and it is a new term that we're going to see a lot more of. Um, I don't think, you know, 10, 10, 20 years ago, it wasn't as common, but now we're going to start seeing it um, like we're actually redoing our seed packets, and that term is going to go on our seed packet. And the reason being is because we want people to start thinking regionally, and it's just like thinking locally. And, uh, for example, we have things that don't necessarily do well here but do great in the Midwest. And so having something that is adapted to our area, regionally adapted, makes a grower more successful. Um, And furthermore, there's also other things to think about, like disease resistance, um, you know, insect resistance. There's certain diseases that um, that are here in Southern California that may not be in the Midwest or vice versa. And having a variety that can grow in those conditions is really important.
0: So what can happen if the seeds aren't regionally adapted for where they're planted?
1: Well, a good example uh, for us in Southern California is, um, and this is a little bit more variety specific, but for example, long day onions. (laughs) I have growers all the time want to grow long day onions, popular varieties. But in Southern California, you want to grow either day neutral or short day. And so if you grow a long day onion, you're not going to get a bulb. Um, And it has to do with our, where we are um, geographically. Another good example is Brussels sprouts. Um, There are some growers in in San Diego who have successfully grown Brussels sprouts and we put them in the Holy Grail of gardeners, (laughs) but it's really hard to grow them here because we're so dry and we have such a short winter. Our, our cool season, which is our, our winter, when most people aren't growing at all, um, is is very short. And so we need varieties that produce very quickly. And um, in contrast to that, like in the Midwest, you guys have a very short um, warm season. You know, you guys have to put your tomatoes in the ground by you know, Mother's Day to get them by July 4th. Um, I still have tomatoes growing in the garden and they look amazing and they will grow all winter long. So. Um, it's important that you have varieties that do really well, and and those are just a few examples of uh, growing things that that won't work here.
0: I'm jealous of your growing
1: season just for the fact yeah. that it's warmer as well. <laughs> okay, I just but I do want to mention everybody <laughs> always says that. However, <laughs> our summer goes until like uh, like almost October. And by August, I am so tired of the heat and we don't get any rain. Okay, so it's hot and it's dry. You're trying so hard to keep your plants alive. Your water bill is very expensive. And then we have to wait till like mid-November to get a little bit of rain. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I'm just saying (laughs) It, it is paradise, but it takes a lot of work. I'm probably feeling that way more now as I've already seen snow and we're, you know, we're
0: still November and I'm pretty sure that may have happened in October. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, <laughs> you I, I, know, I totally agree. There's so. always
0: issues everywhere you live, but yeah, mm-hmm. I love California. So you did mention seed variety a little bit already. Um, why is that so important?
1: So uh, it's important that um, listeners or or readers understand what a seed variety is. So you have a species, like you have pumpkin, and then you have variety. And variety is all the specific information that makes that pumpkin, that type of pumpkin. Um, And the reason why it's important is if you're a really serious grower, a market grower, or a farmer, there are certain things that you might be looking looking for, like when it ripens, the flavor, how it ripens, how it grows, disease resistance, and all of that is going to be related to its variety. It's all the specific information about that particular plant. Um, a good example is... Um, Like tomatoes, there's a lot of different varieties of tomatoes, and they they ripen on different timing, they have different flavor. So if you're a grower and you want something very specific, you look at the variety, which will tell you all the information about that particular plant.
0: So is this information that's like on the
1: back of a seed packet? So it starts there, yep. And you know, good seed companies will have you know, quite a bit of information, maybe not necessarily on the CPAC, because CPACs are so tiny, they but are. online, you know, you should be able to look, um, and with heirlooms in particular, there's so much historical information about them. It's really amazing, you can look up and find, you know, where it originated, how it originated, the tails, along with the, the variety, which is a, a personal, um, uh, point for me that I love to geek out on. Like, oh, where did this variety come from? What's the history? Just like an heirloom, you know, that was passed down um, from family. Um, and yeah, so all the information is online. Seed Savers Exchange is a really neat organization that, that compiles a lot of that information. So for those, um, for those who are interested, I, I suggest you, you check it out. So
0: for different types of growers, whether it's maybe gardening at your home or farmers,
1: are there risks for having lack of seed diversity? Uh, Absolutely. You can imagine, just like we're learning so much from an environmental standpoint, how the lack of diversity can affect us negatively. The same can be said of a lack of, of diversity in seed varieties. A good example is our changing climate. So with climate change, as environments become drier, wetter, hotter, cooler, whatever the change is, if we don't have a lot of varieties to choose from, then we don't have a lot of options to grow in in this changing environment. So um, diversity is really important. There's also a lot of data that points to the lack of diversity, especially in what we eat, uh, pertaining to gut health. Um, So diversity, just like when we think about diverse environments, diverse seed varieties are equally as important. Um, Not just for what we want available to us. You know, we are the um, choice uh, consumers now. We want choices in everything, right? We want 15 tomatoes to choose from, not one, which is wonderful. Um, But also we need our farmers to be able to have choices in uh, varieties depending on their growing environment, new introductions of diseases and pests. They need to always have as many varieties to choose from so that they can be successful as possible. Well,
0: are there ways that our listeners can improve seed diversity? I don't know whether that's in maybe our own backyard gardens or Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's a wonderful question. So, for for growers who are inspired by a lot of the things that I'm talking about, there's so many different ways that you can participate. Um, um, purchasing seeds from a small local seed company helps them do their work, right? You're you're supporting us so that we can keep uh, producing and trialing and breeding varieties. Then also saving seeds and sharing them in your community. So we do quite a few seed swaps here on our farm, which is a wonderful way for growers to save seeds. Um, you know, label them, mark them, share them with their community, and kind of create. A seed culture, which is um, important. We talk so much about local food. We go on and on and on about local food, but you can't have local food without local seeds. So um, you can host seed swaps, purchase your seeds locally, share your seeds. There's a long list of reading material I can um, send over if you want to share with your listeners too, where they can learn more about all of the issues that I'm talking about.
0: Those are all great ideas because I think I don't, Seed variety. I'm not even sure that's something that's really been on my mind when I think about growing. Yeah, and so it's important to get this information.
1: Yeah, and and you will also, um, as you become a more avid grower, you become more attuned to the the specific information about a variety, and then you become a better grower. Like for example, if you know that you're really hot in the fall, but you want to grow your um, lettuces before the um, the, for you guys, before the snow comes, you want to look at varieties that are heat tolerant, that can take the heat of the fall before the snow comes. So, those are all things that, that growers should think about that, that will make them much more successful. And I know it's hard because sometimes you're just like, oh, I just want what's on the pretty picture on the packet. I totally get it. I totally get it. But um, doing a little bit of, of uh, critical thinking about the environment in which you're going to grow the plant will help you become much more successful.
0: So where are good places to find information on the varieties that'll do well in the area you want to grow in?
1: So the first thing I would tell growers is start looking at either a local regional seed company, which not all areas have them, unfortunately. It's something that is, um, Uh, big issue, I believe, Um, but if if your area has a local seed company, like Southern California should be looking to ask for all of the information on our website, varieties that we have. Um, If you're, say, in the Midwest, if you can't find a seed company that caters to you specifically, you can find a seed company that is in um, a region with similar climatic conditions, meaning maybe you don't want to order your seeds from a seed company in Alaska, if they're if they're providing seeds that do really well in Alaska and you're in the Midwest, right? That makes sense. Yes, um, you want to get them in an area that's very similar. For Southern California and, and the American Southwest, it's important that we think about things like drought tolerance because we're very hot and very dry, and we're getting hotter and drier. Uh-huh. Um, and for cool season crops, days to maturity is very important. Our winters are very short. These are all things that we we look for. that that help us get varieties that that work well in our area. So if you are interested
0: in growing um, varieties that do well in your area, then you probably care what you eat maybe in the right seasons. Why is that
1: important? So eating seasonally is incredibly important on so many different levels, but first it incentivizes farmers to have good practices. If you're not trying to buy a... Uh, watermelon in January, well, then if you are buying it in June when they're ripe, it's easier on the farmers because they can grow it in the correct season. Mm-hmm. That means maybe they don't have to grow in hot houses. And uh, if, if you're just buying from the supermarket, you're not supporting um, fruits and vegetables from really far away. You know, if, you've, if you're buying a watermelon in January, it's probably grown in another country and then shipped here. So all of those very small acts, like deciding to eat broccoli in January uh, when it's normally um, available, uh, can really affect the environment as far as transportation costs, um, supporting people locally, all of those things. And... Me growing up in the Midwest, I've always had a pretty good idea of like when things grow. Um, but I am amazed, being in an urban setting, that a lot of people simply don't know. They don't know that um, a watermelon is a warm season crop and it'll be grown in the spring or the summer. Um, and so for those of you who are interested, we have a lot of information on our website that has cool season and warm season. And it's, it's broken down fairly simply which will allow you to kind of group things together. Okay, should I be buying strawberries now, or should I be buying broccoli now? And of course, depending on where you are, it will vary slightly. Um, but the sun comes up and down in the you know the same way across the world, and so the growing seasons are very similar.
0: And that's helpful information because what I struggle with is I. I don't always buy seasonally and it comes down to my, you know, my children. I'm trying to get them used to some different types of fruits and vegetables so that we can eat more seasonally. But it's just, you know, it's the practice of offering it to them. But because I know it's important. I've been learning a lot about that in the last couple of years.
1: Another good tip is shopping at farmer's markets makes it a lot easier when when farmers actually have to bring you the produce. Um, You can guarantee that it was probably grown locally recently, um, particularly for kids, taking them to farmer's market and seeing all the colors. It, you know It's so much more fun than going to the supermarket. And I know not all areas have um, year-round farmer's markets. We are so lucky that we do here. Um, but if your area has farmer's markets, go to them, support the growers, um, purchase their produce. Some people complain that it's a little more expensive, but that money is going directly to those growers. So you're helping support them so they can keep growing food for your community, which I think is so incredibly important.
0: Well, and I think it's peace of mind of knowing where your food comes from. Mm-hmm. And you actually get to meet and talk with the farmer of you know what you're gonna be eating.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, when you go to a farmer's market, I guarantee that every farmer is, is going to be more than happy to answer any of your questions about when this is in season or when that's in season. So it's a good place just to go and learn about food in general. When you go to the supermarket, you're very um, uh, detached from the actual process. You're just going in and buying it, which is great. We live in a world where that's available and that's amazing. But when you go to a farmer's market, you actually can see these hands grew them. I'm getting to buy this. I, I, I think that's one of the most simple pleasures that, that uh, anybody can enjoy.
0: Well, it's another social event. I think it's fun. And you're but, right, the farmers love talking about yeah. growing.
1: And then it's a, um, a way in which you can uh, meet the farmers and then eventually you might be able to do farm tours and you can actually see. Um, I remember when I moved to San Diego, I saw, um, I was working at a, or volunteering at an educational farm, and the first time I saw a kid pull a carrot out of the ground, (laughs) and they had no idea that carrots came from the ground, it was such a learning point for me to realize that not everybody understands or knows as much about the food industry um, and farming as I do. And so it's really neat. If you've got kids, oh my gosh, take them to a farm. They'll have so much fun.
0: Well, they do. My middle child, he's five. He asked me, it was recently. He's like, how do you grow grapes? Like he was eating them and he was really interested. So we told him a video because there wasn't any place I could take them. I'm like, well, we'll do a video and I can kind of show you that. But it's like curiosity's there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's wonderful. It's
0: clear you're passionate about where your food comes from, especially with your profession that you're in. But do you want to share a little bit about why knowing
1: where your food comes from is so important to you? Um, You know, it always baffles me that people don't care. You know, we all need food and we all need water. And to not care about either of those things, even slightly to me, is um, just just crazy. Uh, I understand that everybody is busy and in today's world it's really hard to care about everything there's so much we're inundated with so much information on social media and um, with politics and sometimes you just want to go tune out I don't want to listen to any of this because I I've got kids to raise and I got to go to work Um, but I think by doing very small things like shopping at the farmer's market knowing what's um, In season, what's not in season? Those very tiny steps can take you in the right direction to us having a healthier food system in general. Part of the reason why we have so many issues in agriculture is our desire to have, you know, mangoes from uh, Peru and all of these different things. If if we continue to try to eat locally, there'll be a lot of things that I believe will just start to work out um, in in a natural way. It's also, I love to eat. I mean, I I don't know anybody who doesn't love to eat. You know, if you're a foodie, then you definitely should be concerned about eating as locally and and organically as possible. Um, But yeah, when I eat, I want to eat really good food. And for me, I grow it. So a lot of what we grow on the farm, we get to eat, you know, the byproducts. And uh, we actually went out and harvested our lettuce two nights ago, the first lettuce of the year. And I was just squealing like a little girl. I was so excited that it, you know, the first lettuce of the year. And it was divine. We had just gotten some rain two nights prior. And so it was the best lettuce of my life. And I get to do that every single year. So I'm very blessed.
0: Well, I can see the excitement because it is really important where your food comes from. And what I've learned in the last couple years, it keeps taking me down a different path. And so I'm learning more. So it's like you said earlier, just taking those small steps it does lead you to ask more questions and care a little more because that knowledge is just so empowering.
1: So we teach uh, a three-day urban farming course on our farm. And the theme of the course is um, I always repeat the phrase, it's a slippery slope over and over and over and over. I'm always saying this because when you get into gardening or caring about food or any of the things that we've talked about, it is a slippery slope, and all of a sudden you're going down this path, this rabbit hole of all of a sudden now you're caring about fermented foods. You're caring about, you know, um, you want to grow your own f- your fruits. Now you have an orchard. There's just so many paths that come from the simple act of trying to eat a watermelon <laughs> when a watermelon grows. And I guarantee you, if you buy a really good organic watermelon, at the farmer's market at the peak of the season and not seedless, by the way, seeds are supposed to be watermelons. <laughs> that that act of eating that amazing watermelon will will change so many other things in your life, whether you recognize it or not. So I guarantee it.
0: <laughs> well, just the taste in general. I think we get so used to the way food tastes if we're not eating eating seasonally, and that's just normal until you get that one like or that watermelon that's in season. Yes. You're like, oh.
1: This is what it's supposed to taste like. Yeah. I mean, I challenge all of our listeners to buy something, you know, that is, was recently grown by a local grower, eat it, realize what that, what that flavor is like and relish in the fact that you're supporting somebody's profession you know farmers are are professionals as well Um, it's oh I always laugh about being a farmer because you have to be a farmer but you also have to be um, a mechanic and a plumber and you know um, an ornithologist and a pathologist (laughs) and it's farming is really hard and we all have to eat so for those of you who don't or or can't grow try to support a grower in any way that's possible absolutely
0: I completely agree so talking about farming, what is your hope for the future of agriculture? Like when you're dreaming bigger, you're thinking about where you hope we're going.
1: You know, um, it's it, agriculture is just as um, politically diverse as any other um, arena in, in our culture. And everybody has different opinions on the way it should work. Um, but what I would love to see is just our agricultural system become a little less um, centralized, so decentralized small farms, family farms. The way we grew 20, 30 years ago, um, I want to see more people being able to make a living, a a honest, good living off of growing organic, local food. Um, And that all starts with consumers demanding that. We need people who want to buy good produce locally grown from farmer Joe down the street. You know, he's got the best sweet corn on the block. Um, all those values, I hope, uh, they have come back into our daily conversation. I think the average person, um, has thoughts about this most of the time. Um, but I want to see even more and I want there to be policy that is created that helps support small farms. Um, I'm particularly interested and passionate about urban farming, partly because we are an urban farm. And the reason being is farmland is becoming much, it's becoming more and more difficult to find. You know, we only have so much land on the continent. And as people spread out, um, it's hard to find affordable land. And um, I think a model um, that could be very successful is urban farms. You know, we are one acre, one solely tiny little acre. Um, but in San Diego, that's ginormous. Um, and for seed production, uh, we produce uh, just this year, we produced over 60 pounds of certified organic seed on one acre. Um, and I know that we can double that number as we have more hands on deck and are more organized and things like that. Um, but I think there is power in doing something on a small scale and doing it right. There's um, like a hashtag or a phrase that floats around on Instagram called farm small, farm smart. And, um, I think there's, there's so much value in that. We want to show people that we are a successful example of an urban farm. Um, and I think we've done it, you know, we have our urban farm, we're certified organic, we run our business, uh, from the farm, um, and from the, our home, which is wonderful. And, uh, I want to see that sprouting up more and more and more. And I think we will. So, um, the three-day urban farming course that we do is, is part of that, um, um, initiative to get people interested. And then in January, hopefully keep your fingers crossed, everything works out. We will be launching an online course so that people all over, not just people in San Diego can learn how to grow their own food.
0: That's amazing. That is really exciting. Yeah. Keep
1: your fingers crossed that, <laughs> that it, it all works out, but you know, January is when we're really hoping to launch it. So for all of the listeners out there, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, um, you know, you can get our newsletter if you want to learn how to grow. We are happy to teach you both on our online course and with all the information that we have on our website.
0: Yeah, how, so tell them about your website again and um, where they can find you because it's important because I think online courses are can be so easy for people in our busy schedules.
1: Oh yeah, um, online courses are a wonderful way if you're a parent. Um, you know, if you have a full-time job. You can do it when you want it. Um, I think it's particularly important um, when it comes to growing your food because there's, there's so much information online. Not all of it's great. And you go online and I've had so many people say, I go online and I look something up and I get 50 answers. And then I just don't know what to do. So our hope is that our online course will be you know, short and sweet and get you out growing. You shouldn't be sitting on YouTube all day looking at videos on how to grow tomatoes. You should be out in your garden growing the tomatoes and then eating them, making BLTs or or whatever, um, you know, whatever you eat with your, your tomatoes. So um, to find out about us, our website is San Diego Seed Company, all spelled out .com. Um, Our uh, handle on Instagram is um, at um, San Diego Seed Company. I mean, if you put in San Diego Seed Company into Google, we'll come up. We're the only one. Um, And I do also want to mention that right now we are recreating our seed packs. So it's a big project that we're doing. We will be um, printing front and back seed packets with a lot of information. Our our current seed packets are just um, one-sided. I don't think I have one handy. Oh, well, here's kind of an example. But they're just one-sided like that. Uh, But we will be printing industry standard front and back packaging, and we're actually doing a crowdfunding um, Indiegogo campaign to help make that happen. And right now we are doing a perk where um, for every dollar you contribute, we donate a seed pack to a community garden or school garden. Um, so it's a wonderful way for you to support a community garden or school garden in your area and you help support our work as regional, um, organic seed producers. So it's, it's win-win and uh, we just want to plug that and get that information out there so that hopefully if you believe in any of the things that we've talked about today, you can help support the work that we do. Absolutely, everything you do just sounds
0: fabulous, and you can tell like the passion behind your voice and how much you care about what you do. And I know I already learned a lot today that I didn't oh. already know.
1: Good, 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 good. And I'm happy to send over um, like a list of resources as well that you can share with your listeners if they if they want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm happy That'd to send be awesome. them. Down there.
0: Yeah, do that. We would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, Bridget, thank you for coming on today in this early morning. Maybe you can go have another cup of coffee. done. But I do appreciate you taking your time and sharing with listeners um, your passion.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good rest of your day. Bye-bye. We'd like to
0: remind our audience that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Biteable or of our staff personally. The purpose of the Biteable podcast is to encourage spirited dialogue around topics like food, nutrition, animal and human welfare, and the food system. Part of having an open and spirited dialogue is accepting that others have views that are different than ours and working to understand how their experiences have differed from our own. We encourage all listeners to do their own research on any and all topics discussed during the show. That being said, we hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks for listening.